Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 28. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You know what happens when you worry like that and God's already taking care of it? You just start to look old. <laughs> it's true, you're just worrying yourself silly. Biting your nails and losing weight and you ain't a bad thing actually. <laughs> but hair falling, people worry. You know, these psychologists or these people... I don't know who they are, and they obviously have no life, but they, 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 they do this statistics thing, and it's like, who are these people anyway? Where are they hiding? And, and they did a, st- a study, and it said like 75% of the things that people worry about never come to pass. And for the believer, worrying is a sin. We're, we're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to be people who are full of fear. We're supposed to be people who are full of faith. Full of what, saints? Faith. Believe in God. Trust in God. Why are you trying to figure it out? The Lord's already worked it out. You don't have to try to figure it out. Let God take care of it. Let God take care of it. Let God take care of it. Because you're going to mess it up anyway. (laughs) Amen. Let God take care of it. Here are these women. I wonder who's going to roll the stone away. Oh, man, we get there. You know, we got a job to do, but, you know, somebody's got to roll that stone. Man, what about that stone? Man, what are we going to do about that stone? You know what, ladies? We got to talk about something. What about that stone? How are we going to get that stone rolled away? When they got there, the stone had already been rolled away. Now, why was the stone rolled away? Was it so that Jesus could get out? No. No. I mean, you understand that Jesus wasn't in the tomb saying, Hey! Fellas, can somebody help me get out? I want to get out of here. Here, here, here. You, you understand that. You see, the, t- the stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away, watch this, so that the ladies could look in. The stone was rolled away not because not only that the ladies might look in, but that all men through all time might look in. We're headed to Israel. I've been many times now, and I've had the opportunity to go to that new tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And it's nice. It's beautiful. I love being there at the garden tomb. And it's big, and it's got like four little carved out, little, you know, carved out cement places where you can lay a body. And every year we always go to to the tomb, and we always have worship at the tomb. And we always take communion at the tomb. And we always go in to the tomb. Now, I'm not going in to check to see if he's there or not. (laughs) You understand? Because he's not there. And every time we go, 
and thousands and thousands and thousands, and might I add millions of believers and pilgrims have traveled to Israel for years on end. And every time we go, and every time they go, we look in the tomb, and no one has ever seen a body there. Why? Because he is risen. Because he's not there. Because he rose again from the grave. He lives. You see, he, he lives. And so he's not there. The stone was rolled away that we might look in. That we might be able to see that he is risen. Well, just as the women arrive at the tomb, did you notice there was a great earthquake Notice the text again in your Bibles. I want you to look at it. Notice the text. There was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. In other words, get this. Give me your attention. When the angel came down from heaven and hit the earth, there was an earthquake. There was a rumbling. I mean, that's one pretty bad dude. But when you showed up, there was no earthquake, okay? When the angel came down, there was an earthquake. There was a rumbling. And the angel, he's just kind of cool. He sat on the stone. He's just sitting there in all of his glory, bright, shiny, glistening, coming from his his white robe. And the women show up, and he says, hey, he's not here. He's risen just as he said. Man, you got to love this angel. I mean, he's just kind of cool. He's just sitting there just kind of chilling. Ladies show up, yeah. He ain't here. How you like me now? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And so he comes to the earth and, he, and an earthquake hits. So last time I was out in Southern California, last time I wasn't in the pulpit, I was out in Southern California, as many of you know, and I was speaking at, uh, at uh, a Calvary Chapel on a Sunday morning. And, 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 and the most amazing thing happened, I will never, ever forget this. I, I, I'm, I'm being escorted from, 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 my, from my office where they, where they have me, and uh, they, they're bringing me into the sanctuary, and the people were all standing. And I heard uh, the music, I heard the worship, and it was Terry Clark singing. Raise your hand if you know who Terry Clark is. Okay, that's 10 of us. That's good. Okay. And, 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 and so Terry Clark is an awesome guy. You know that song that we sing? Let's worship Let's lay our lives down at his feet. You know that song that we sing? Well, Terry Clark wrote that song. He is awesome. As a matter of fact, he's going to be here on a Sunday morning. You are going to be blessed. I can't give you the date because I don't know it yet. But, 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 but it's soon. It's soon. I know it's soon, like within a month or something. But, but it's awesome, awesome. He's awesome. So I hear him singing. He's like one of my favorite artists, actually. And, 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 and Christian artist. And, and so I walk in and I hear Terry Clark singing. The people are standing. I couldn't really see because it's a fairly large church. And there were a lot of people there. And I thought they were playing a CD for worship. I'm like, ooh, somebody messed up. They forgot to get worship for this morning. And I get up front and I see Terry Clark and his wife, Nancy Clark. And they're up there singing. They're wor- leading worship. And I thought, this is going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. I just was excited. So I'm sitting right up front. It's my turn to speak. And they, they introduce me and I come up and, and, and I speak. And I'm, I'm talking about dealing with doubt. That was my sermon topic. I'm talking about dealing with doubt. And, and, and I, was, I was given a, an example of, you know, how God reveals himself. When we are in that place of doubt, that's oftentimes where God will reveal himself. And I start talking about Moses. Y'all know that sermon. I preached it here already. And, and, and <laughs> if you don't get to see it. Matthew 11, 1 through 6. And, and so I'm talking about dealing with doubt. God reveals himself in the place of doubt. And Moses, God revealed himself. And then I got to Hagar. And I said, and Hagar, 
God revealed himself to Hagar. And as soon as I said that, the people in the audience, right about here to my left, the people, so I, start, I heard a chatter. I heard a, like people, they were talking like kind of amongst themselves. You know, and I thought, man, they're really enjoying me. I, I thought, man, this is going well. I'm doing really good. They're really into it, you know. And so I, 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 I just, I, they kept doing it. And I kept, I looked, I said, what? You know. <laughs> and they said, like, uh, uh, like, uh, like in unison, you know, almost in harmony, earthquake. <laughs> and I said, what? Is it earthquake? I said, well, um, I stepped back from the pulpit. I said, well, um, you know, earthquake. Okay, okay. And, and they had the church. It was a, it's a beautiful church. They had a glass. They had glass wall in the back. So I'm stepping back like this here. Earthquake, 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 earthquake. And they said, step away from the windows. I was like, earthquake, earthquake, earthquake. And then I walk out in the audience. My wife was sitting right there about where Troy is. And I walked by and I said, come on, honey, let's go back to North Carolina. It's time to go home. Earthquake, earthquake. Well, then I get in the pulpit. Now, I am just amazed because I didn't sense an earthquake. I'm up on the pulpit, maybe. Maybe I just didn't feel the rumbling up here. But they obviously did. Everybody in the congregation did right at that moment. And so I'm amazed when I got back in the pulpit and I said to the people, I said, man, you guys must be like animals. Because animals know when an earthquake's coming before it happens. Because y'all, you really are sheep. You know what I mean? I was, I was weirding out, man. I said, whoa. And now even at that church is a funny thing because even now at that church, I kind of go down in history now as, as the pastor who brought the earth-shaking sermon. I'm like... I'm liking it a lot. <laughs> but this angel, he comes down, and he, and he hits the earth, and there is an earthquake. Well, the earthquake when the angel appeared, but the earth isn't the only thing that shook. Look at verse 4 in your Bibles. The rough and the tough Roman troops were afraid. Did you see that? They shook for fear, and they became like dead men. Now, in the Greek language... That means they fainted and passed out like girly men. <laughs> it's in the Greek. I mean, they, the earth shook and they, thought, they were like, oh. you know, you, you know, you faint when you go, oh, you know, oh. you know, these are, you know, and so the angel, the angel said to the women. They said, don't be afraid. And that's interesting that the Roman soldier, he didn't tell them, don't be afraid. He said that to the women. He said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. He's not here. He is risen as he said. In other words, Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. And they were probably, these angels were probably motioning the ladies to come and see for themselves. And he urged them to go quickly and tell the disciples. And so they went quickly with fear and with great joy to tell the disciples. Now, as the women left the tomb, on their way to tell the disciples, they met Jesus in verse 9. And Jesus said, rejoice. In the Greek language, this word rejoice literally is like a very common word and a very common greeting used for many, many things. Like our word hi, 
for example, we'll say hi in the morning or hi in the evening or, or hi when you walk into a room. It's a very common word. Well, this word rejoice is the same word. Jesus might be saying to these, to these ladies as they show up and they see a post-resurrection appearance, write that down, a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. And Jesus might say to these ladies, he might say, good morning, ladies. Hello, ladies. In this post-resurrection appearance of Jesus Christ, you see, Jesus appeared many, many times, about 10 actually, 10 times after he rose from the grave. Jesus would appear to his disciples in the upper room. John chapter 20, verse 24. He appeared to two on the road to Emmaus in a post-resurrection appearance as they walked and Jesus would walk with them and then Jesus would eat with them and then they knew that he was the Messiah. Some guys would be fishing on the lake in a post-resurrection appearance and Jesus would show up and say, hey, you catching anything? And they'd say, nothing's biting. And Jesus says, well, cast your net on the other side. The Bible teaches in a post-resurrection appearance, 500 people saw him at one time. And then he appeared on the Mount of Olives and he ascended to heaven. Approximately 10 post-resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ. And here in verses 9 and 10, we have another one. Well, then in verse 11 through 15, if you're still with me, say amen. amen. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. And when they assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money. Get this. They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while you slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, well, we'll take care of that. So they took the money in verse 15, and they did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. While the women are going to tell the disciples about the empty tomb, the guards who, obviously these are the same guards who had just fainted, apparently they woke up, they went into the city, and they reported what had happened. And while they're going into the city, these guys know they are in big trouble. Because a body that they have been guarding is missing. And they're probably thinking it's probably a good time to go A-W-O-L. Because <laughs> they're in big trouble. Because losing a prisoner, in this case a dead one, was punishable by death. And so they arrive and they tell their story and the council got together and they decided to pay these guys to say the disciples came at night and stole them away while we were sleeping. And this is a commonly reported saying among the Jews until this day, Matthew says, or until the time of this writing, which is about 30 years later or 63 AD. But, but notice this here. Understand something. I spent time in the Navy. And we used to have to do night watch. If you've been in the military, you know this. When you're on duty, listen at this. You never, ever, no, not ever do you fall asleep on duty. Amen. Never. The Roman guards did not, I repeat, they did not and would not ever fall asleep on duty. And if they were to fall asleep, then how did they know it was the disciples who stole the body? Hello? Well, how do you know the disciples stole the body? Well, sir, we were sleeping, and we know. <laughs> You're right. 
How did they know? Not only that, but listen, they would do everything possible not to sleep. You know why? Because if a Roman soldier was caught sleeping, you know what happened? The commanding officer, whoever it is, they walk up on him, and he's sitting there. Me, 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 me. You know what happened? He's knocked out sleeping. You know what a Roman commander would do? He would take some light or some fluid, some, uh, uh, what do you call this stuff? Octane. What do you call this stuff? Gasoline. That's it. And they would douse him with gasoline and set him on fire while he was sleeping. I'm talking about being fired up. I mean. No, they didn't play that. So, so, of course, these guys wasn't sleeping. But what this goes to show us is the depth and the length that people will go to to deny the truth. The evidence can be plain and clear, and yet they will go to any length to deny the truth, especially the truth of the resurrection. Listen, what was the Bible says there's no new thing under the sun. What was true back then, do you know what's true today? People go to great lengths to deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For 2,000 years, people have sought to disprove and deny the resurrection. And there are all kinds of, you know, we live in a conspiracy kind of oriented society. Yesterday, I had the opportunity, I'm sitting at my computer and I did my Google search. And I typed in conspiracy theory. There, there are too many to count. People are paranoid. Everything's a conspiracy. People are paranoid. Matter of fact, if, there, if there's not a conspiracy that you like and enjoy, you, I kid you not, you can write your own conspiracy. Come up with your own. They got a place in the, on the web just for that. All kinds of conspiracies. And we, you know, people honestly believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, listen to me, people believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a conspiracy. They really do. It's almost like, you know, a conspiracy like who shot J.R.? You know, who shot Kennedy? You know, what really goes on at Area 51? What was the connection with Clinton and China? You know, a conspiracy. Listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's no conspiracy. It's a fact. He rose again. Amen, saints? There's, there's no conspiracy. Now, here are just a few. I don't have time for as many as I have. But just let me give you a few ridiculous, stupid conspiracies that people have come up with. Here's one. And theories. Here's one. This is true. People come up with this stuff. It's called the wrong tomb theory. Some skeptics have said the women who came to the tomb were confused and they went to the wrong tomb. Well, problem. You mean nobody thought they should go to the right tomb? It was obvious from the gospel accounts that the women knew exactly where the tomb was because they stayed with Jesus and they watched him. They followed Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus to the tomb, Matthew 27, 61. They came back early in the morning. They were so certain where the tomb was is they came back early in the morning in the wee dark hours of the morning. They knew exactly where the tomb was. And if they were at the wrong tomb, then why didn't the Jewish leaders point that out? And take them to the right tomb where Jesus was. So I reject that theory. Here's another one, the stolen body theory. Problem, how would a thief get past the Roman guards? How would they get the stone rolled away without being seen or heard? Now, I don't know if you've ever stolen a body. (laughs) Hopefully there'll be none here who has ever stolen a body. But if you did, would you take the time to unwrap the body and neatly place the headpiece in another corner of the tomb 
The Bible says when Jesus rose again, that his body literally passed through the, 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 the mummified wrappings and, and it, he left like a cocoon. And then the head wrap was neatly folded up and put on the other, on a shelf over in the corner. Now, thieves don't do that. Thieves don't clean up before they leave. Say amen, saints. You know what a thief does? Grab the body and run. So I reject that theory as well. And then you have the swoony Messiah theory. Now, I've mentioned this one before. Some believe that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross, that he just swooned. And he went into a coma and shock and lost blood and exhaustion. And then they put him in a tomb, and days later he revived and came out. And the problem is, the soldiers were expert executioners, and they were expert at pronouncing someone dead. And that's why they didn't break his legs, because he was dead. And if he swooned, he did a lot for a swooning half-dead man. Because he would break the mummy wrappings that was soaked in 100 pounds of spices. He would have to roll away a two and a half ton stone and fight off 12 highly trained soldiers. While swooning, he would have had to take a walk seven miles to Emmaus where he was seen. And then back to Jerusalem. So I don't think he was swooning. It was a lady who wrote Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I love this story. This lady wrote a letter to him and said, Dr. Dr. McGee, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus just swooned on the cross and that the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? Well, Dr. McGee's response was, Dear sister, beat your preacher with a leather whip for 39 strokes, nail him to the cross, hang him in the blistering sun for six hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for 72 hours, and then see what happens to your preacher. I reject that. And then they've got the hallucination theory. Well, I'll reject that one too because individuals hallucinate, not groups of people. And, and surely, now remember I told you that 500 people saw him. Surely at least one. Maybe, four, maybe 499 people thought they saw him. But surely there was one sane individual who would say to the 499, you guys are crazy. <laughs> one fry short of a happy meal lights on nobody home elevator doesn't go to top floor surely and then you've got the impersonation theory this theory suggests that Jesus never really appeared after his death but there was someone impersonating him reject that then you've got the mistaken identity theory and then you've got the spiritual resurrection theory that Jesus didn't physically bodily rise from the grave we reject that theory as well because we know that when Jesus rose from the grave, he ate breakfast, he ate fish with his disciples. Spirits don't eat food. It's very important that you believe that Jesus physically, bodily rose from the dead and had a glorified, eternal, immortal body when he did. And by the way, Jesus is the only one in history who ever physically, bodily rose from the grave with an eternal body. Well, you might say to me, Rodney, well, then what about Lazarus? Lazarus rose from the grave. Lazarus rose after four days of being dead. Yes, but Lazarus came out of the grave in the old grave clothes, and Lazarus came out of the grave in the old mortal body, and Lazarus was going to die again. The Bible says, are you with me? Say amen. The Bible says that Jesus rose from the grave, never to die again, that he lives right now, even as we sing and pray and gather together, he lives in heaven, ever lives to make intercession for me. For me? Yeah. And for you? Absolutely. And he's sitting in heaven right now. He lives today. And that's why I love that song. 
And not only does he live, but the Bible says that he is coming back. And why would men and women throughout the ages give their lives to die for a lie? The strongest proof of the resurrection is show me the body. Nobody's ever produced it, ever. The Romans couldn't produce the body. His enemies couldn't find the body. The disciples gave their lives and the lives of their families, believing that he rose again. The disciples died violent, brutal deaths because they were sure and certain that Jesus rose from the grave. And so the angel said in closing, the last words of the angel, notice he said in verse 6, he says, he's not here, he is risen, as he said. Come and see, verse 7, go and tell. Come and and see the resurrection. And then saints are command, go and tell. And Jesus is going to say the very same thing next week as he tells us to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God is so good. Amen, saints? He is risen. Don't forget it. Come see, go tell. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.